I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 272. And yes, I'm still fucking sick. Well, actually, I got better for like two days and then it got worse again. So round two of antibiotics. Ugh. But she's not contagious. Yeah, that's that's positive. Wait, what? No, that's a positive. <laughs> oh. I'm not, well, I mean, I guess probably positive something, but <laughs> positive I have a shit immune system. Right. Well, you know who's not shit? Patrioters. So thank you so much, Samantha N. from Texas. Selena M. from Texas. And Anna R. from Massachusetts. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. And if you want an episode shout out and to be, you know, as cool as them, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. I love how excited people get in the Facebook group when they hear their names. And I'm always like, please let me say it right. Please let me say it right. Preach. Well, this past Saturday was my mom's death anniversary. And so it wasn't really like a sad day. It was just if I would have stayed inside and not done anything, I'm sure it would have been more on me, you know. But I called Tiffany and I was like, I don't know, I kind of want to go to the zoo. And she was like, oh my God, me too. Like I was going to ask you, did you want to go to the zoo? And I was like, well, apparently we need sunshine. Well, so we went and it was just so good. Like, you know, I love animals. So it's like, yeah, I'm freaking out over everything. But also Tiffany talks to animals too, like all the time. So we were those people. But also she would say, what doing to all the birds and stuff? Oh, God, we are cracking up. Having a blast. We got a Dole Whip. Very good. And it because it was very hot. So that was perfect. Also, the zoo here has so many fans everywhere. It's amazing. I was like. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't think I've been in like two years. Yeah. Since we did the sloth. Since we held the sloth. Let me be clear. (laughs) Yeah. We did the sloth exhibit where the sloth comes out and we hold it and feed it. Yes. So we were in this one part, it's called the Wallaby Walkabout. And so you can walk in a path and there's some like wallabies there and whatever. Well, I found my familiar and it was this big pig. I know exactly what pig you're talking about. (laughs) And it's called a Cooney Cooney pig. I think it's New Zealand's uh, words for like fat and round. I was like, hello. Yes. But also this pig was laying in the middle but like under some shade and there is a worker who's just like scratching it with a rake on its belly. And I was like, that pig's living the fucking life. For real. Also, so weird that you say that because you know how Facebook does like on this day, 10 years ago or whatever. Yes. My memory six years ago was one of my friends tagging me and my sister on the pig run at the zoo because like she was saying it reminds me of getting behind somebody walking really slow when they're in a hurry because she's like walking behind. Oh my God. Yes. So weird that you bring that up. And that was literally my memory from six years ago today. Wow. By the sloth. Like, you can see it from the window. Yeah. Well, right before you get there... To the wall? (laughs) Yes. On the wall, there's the reptiles and everything. I know. Why are they so close? So, we were going that way because there's, like, windows. But, you know, if the sun's going, you know, you got to kind of see what's going on. So, I was, like, leaning up and my hands were, like, down by my side. I felt something brush against my hand. Uh Uh-uh. And I 
jumped. And then I heard this woman cackle because it was her little kid that came up behind me. And like, he was just the right height that his hair, like his head touched my fingertips. And I fucking jumped and like freaked out. And she was like, sorry. Like we were all laughing. I was like, no, I thought one of these had got out. Like I didn't know what kind of animal was here, but like I was about to pet it. Like what is going on? We finally ate at that wing place that you and Colby love. Mm -hmm. We tried it. Oh, my God. So good. But we don't know who was the DJ, like who had their Spotify going or whatever. But the music was so good. It was all like 2000s, Beyonce, Nelly, you know, all of those. So it was just like, God, this brings me back to college. Yeah. So it like hyped me up. So something else that hyped me up. It was just more. I was on the edge of my fucking seat on Max. It's How to Create a Sex Scandal. It's three episodes and it's a true crime documentary, okay? Creep Mom told me about it. I was trying to find something that I could fall asleep to, you know, whatevs. I fell asleep like one and a half episodes in just because, you know, my lunesta kicked in, so I was out. Well, that morning I woke up at like six something, turned it right back on, found my place and finished the other episode. Really? Like that's how much I was like, I am so invested. I will warn you that it's about kids, like kids are involved. I mean, it's not abducted in plain sight, but it gives those kind of vibes of like, wait, what What? the hell? Well, you know what we've been watching? Mayor of Kingstown. Oh, okay. It's on Paramount, I think. Yeah, Paramount Plus. And it is so good. So the premise is like, this guy is the mayor, like air quotes around mayor of this town. Like he's not the actual mayor, but this town has like four prisons in it. And he basically is the negotiator for everybody. Law enforcement, corrections officers, the gangs in the prison. People come to him to ask like, hey, I've got this person in prison and I'm, you know, I need this worked out. Like he's just like a negotiator helps move the chess pieces and it is so good. Okay, so I watched most of the first season, but I never finished it. Oh, we are probably like five episodes in. Four episodes in. I don't know. But it came on after something I watched on Paramount. And so I like called it sometimes and that's just it. But now that it's on Paramount Plus, I probably should go watch it. The other thing that I'm super excited for that I haven't watched yet is Shiny Happy People. Oh my God. Yeah. It came out like two days ago. Yeah. They released it early, I think. So if you don't know what that is, it delves into the community that the Duggars are part of. Specifically, the Institute in Basic Life Principles, the IBLP, which was Bill Gothard's cult. Said it, cult. (laughs) But anyway, and he's the one that like counseled, air quotes around counseled, Josh Duggar with when he like sexually assaulted his sisters. And he's the one that's like sweeping under the rug, you know, all of those teachings and principles and stuff. Like the Duggars literally have this principle of where it's like you put your baby on the ground when it's called um, blanket training them where you put them on the blanket and like you intentionally put toys around the blanket when they go to crawl to it you spank them what the fuck to teach them like self-control and they go where you tell them to and all of that so anyway some of those principles and then like i don't know it's a whole thing and i've been seeing a little bit on tiktok and i'm like i need to watch that i scroll through everything i see on tiktok when i like 
see it pop up because I don't want to know anything. Right. Also, I don't want the algorithm to think I don't want to know because I do want to know. That's true. That's how I was with the Real Housewives of New Jersey reunion that came on this week. Because like I started seeing TikToks on it. I was like, I just, I got to watch it. So I watched it on my lunch break today so I could see all the TikToks. Yeah. Because, again, I didn't want the algorithm to think I wasn't interested because I want to know what everybody says. So that's like the only thing on the planet I'm caught up on. I watched or read something on the Real Housewives, and it was saying that the first season, most of them like spend more than they make because they're updating their house or they're like buying all these clothes and they can't afford and paying for glam squads that they can't afford yet. So a lot of them end up losing money the first year. Damn. Well, just think about it. Like Beverly Hills, most of them take their glam squads with them everywhere they go. I've had my makeup done professionally twice. Once was for my wedding and once because Erica was amazing and did it before our meetup when we were in Dallas last time. Yeah. Speaking of a meetup, we're going to have one in August in Austin, Texas. It'll be August 25th through the 27th. We're going to be at the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival. We're doing a live show. And right after that, we're doing Paranormal Bingo. There will be prizes. There will be laughs. And I mean, True Crime. Hello. We love that. I'm so excited to go to the Piney Woods Manor. Pioneer Farms. Okay, I was very close. Mm -hmm. You think I'll know it before we go? No. (laughs) No, you will know it, and then right before you're going to forget it. But what she's talking about, we're doing a paranormal investigation one night. We're also doing a meetup at Star Bar. So even if you don't go to the festival, you can still come meet us. And we've definitely seen some posts where we're like, can y'all please come here or there? But where we've gone is just where this festival is hosted. And this just happens to be two years in a row in Texas. But, oh, if you do want to come to the festival, they're offering 15% off if you go and use the promo code APC when you sign up. Can you believe next week's my anniversary? No. Which is going to be a very hard week, obviously, because it's my wedding anniversary followed by the anniversary of my dad dying. I have an idea of what to get for Colby, but also I'm not sure because I kind of want to do like the first couple of years, maybe the traditional gifts. Mm -hmm. So like the first year is supposed to be paper. So what are you thinking about? Colby, fast forward. (laughs) Well, I was thinking about maybe getting him a golf lesson. So it would be like a gift certificate. So it'd be paper. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd love that. But what sucks is it's like my birthday, Mother's Day, anniversary, Father's Day for his dad, Avi, and then Colby's birthday. Yeah. It's like we are boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, who can afford all this? Right. Ooh, y'all are going to eat your cake. I'm so excited about that. And that treasure box. We have this wooden box that's locked and people wrote things in it and we didn't get to read it. Did you not put anything in it? I did put something in it, but I feel like it was just, what do I need to say? Uh, uh, This. Also, I was hot at that point. So I think it was just like freaking July. I told him at the place, I was like, the only thing I care about is the air conditioner. Please turn that thing down. So you know how Colby and I are like obsessed. We are the same in that we get hyper-focused on um, things. Yeah. Lately, it's been golf and baseball. So he had been looking at maybe planning a trip for our anniversary. I still don't think we've actually traveled alone just to travel. Like everybody, everything's always been a vacation with somebody or going out of town for something. Like yeah. we went out of town for a Mardi Gras ball, which is a vacation, but it's like for something with people. I really don't think we've ever gone just us. Yeah, I was going to say, well, to Florida, but you had class there. Yeah, it wasn't. We stayed one night. Yeah. In the worst rinky-dink hotel that my back was killing me. I'm like, can you roll on your side so that we can lean on each other and we both won't get our heads in the mud? Look, your back kills you on any fucking bed. True. So he was going to look at 
the Savannah Bananas. Yeah. So they're they're like huge on TikTok. They're these baseballers. They're like the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. Like they mm-hmm. do like tricks and TikTok dances. Like the umpires are in it. It's fun. Those tickets are almost $400 a piece. Oh, fuck. I said, that'd be fun, but we can't do that. That would be $800 just for the ticket. Just for a baseball game. And I mean, I get that it's like a show. Oh, absolutely. But but we can't afford that show. Right. I'm so proud of all those people who can. And I know it would be a blast. But I was like, I mean, like literally my, my jaw hit the floor when he said that. I was like, oh, we definitely can't do that. Mm-mm. But I do know if we go away on the weekend, I'm going away in style because I got my base bag. And nothing is basic about base luggage. First of all, it was created by Shay Mitchell. You probably know her because she's a Hollywood actress, so you know it's going to be fashionable. You know it's going to be everything you want because surely she travels all the time for all of her acting gigs. So she knows what you need on the go. And they have thought of everything. The luggage has the 360 wheels, the handles are cushioned, built-in weight indicator, washable bags, pockets galore. That is truly my favorite thing about my Weekender bag is the pockets. Because last time I took it, I had just a couple of clean clothes left. I don't know why I packed so well, but I just had like a couple little garments. And so I was able to stick it in the pockets and keep it separated from the dirty clothes. But if you get the washable bags with the luggage, though, you don't even have to worry about that. Right. But also, if you don't pack efficiently, which she normally doesn't do and I definitely don't do, base is an overpacker's dream because it has so many pockets, like she said, has so much space. The Weekender bag opens up wide. It's everything. Because, of course, you need eight sets of panties for a two-day trip. Look, I'm really going to try not to be an overpacker, but panties will always be doubled. And base keeps the fashion because it comes in multiple sizes and colors. I'm telling you, the colors are so cute right now. I freaking am obsessed. And every piece gets better with miles. You don't have to worry about throwing it in the overhead bin or it getting jumbled around in cargo because it's going to look better and better as time goes by. And the Weekender bag is perfect for the music festivals that are going on, summer break, all the breaks. Just have a good weekend with the Weekender bag. So right now, Base is offering 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash creep. That's B-E-I-S-T-R-A-V-E-L dot com slash creep for 15% off your first purchase. Y'all, Base has over 30 thousand five-star reviews so you know that means it is a quality product because it is really hard to get that many five stars just ask us so go to basetravel.com slash creep and get 15 percent off your purchase y'all before we get in the story real quick we got to talk about HelloFresh because they are back and if you are on the go like traveling doing all the things because it's summer who wants to go to the grocery store you need stuff to come to you HelloFresh has got you covered. And just like Carrie said, HelloFresh is delivered straight to your door. You get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes. You get over 40 recipes to choose from every week. So you can have people as picky as Donna and as easy to feed as Colby. And let me tell you, your girl is stuck in the middle. (laughs) But what I'm not stuck in, a rut. Because of all those different options, it's constantly changing. You can pick what's best for your family. Do you want quick and easy? Do you want vegetarian like Donna because she's really weird about the uncooked meat? Do you want family friendly? Do you have six people to feed? Just two. The options are endless. And like Carrie mentioned, it's summertime. 
You don't want to spend that time in the grocery store having to meal prep and then cook. That's why HelloFresh is amazing because it has the pre-portioned ingredients so you don't have to do the meal prepping. And I love it because there's no waste. You're not buying a bushel of something and only needing one. I've Look, I've said it before. When condiments come in little packages, it makes me feel very bougie. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, it makes me feel like I'm in a hotel, which also makes me feel like I am fancy. But with HelloFresh, you can be bougie on a budget because it is 25% less expensive than takeout. Cheaper and way more convenient than grocery shopping. But what I love is feeling accomplished when I do cook a meal. And it's not just, you know, a ham sandwich. It's actually like a gourmet meal, but it didn't take me gourmet time. Right. These recipes, they have one pot wonders, meals that can be cooked in 15 minutes or less. Again, there are so many options and the instructions are foolproof. Look, if Donna can do it, you can. So head on over to HelloFresh.com slash Creep16, that's Creep16, and use promo code Creep16, and you're going to get 16 free meals plus free shipping. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash Creep16. Use code Creep16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. They are America's number one meal kit for nothing. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Creep16 and use promo code Creep16 for that 16 free meals and free shipping. Okay, so for my story this week, I saw a TikTok. It was from the creator Education in Crime. And I was like, I've never heard of this case. Must do it. Okay, so picture it. September 25th, 1982. We're in Rome, Georgia. Lisa Ann Milliken, she's a 13-year-old girl who was at the mall with about like four or five other girls. But Lisa was in a group home with these other girls. She had had a really difficult life. She'd been in and out of foster care, had been kicked out of a few foster homes because she was, quote, difficult. AKA, she probably had so much trauma, she was acting out. But she had been removed from her parents' house with her siblings because there was allegations of sexual abuse. But she had been in and out of more than four different foster homes, had spent some time at one youth facility before she was at the Harpist home, which is where she was when this story takes place. Now, apparently, Lisa was more promiscuous, which I feel like is very common of young girls who have been victims of sexual abuse. That's the only way they know how to express themselves. But it actually made her pretty unpopular with the other girls in the foster homes. Now, on this day, it was Lisa's idea for everybody to go to the mall. The people who ran the Harpist home were like, okay, but like y'all have to stay together. We're going to drop y'all off. Meet back here in an hour or however long. Now, Lisa was known to escape and run away from foster homes and the group homes. And that's part of what made her, quote, difficult. This all may have been a ploy for her to go to the mall to look for a way to escape. But when Lisa was at the mall, she was by herself for about an hour, separated from the girls. And when it came time to meet back up, Lisa wasn't there. So, of course, they notified mall security, did all the things, and they couldn't find Lisa. So, at first, they thought that Lisa had just run away. Police were notified. They started searching. But again, with her history, they were like, she probably just ran away. They were going to keep looking, but it was assumed that she ran away. But what actually happened was far worse. 
So on September 29th of 1982, the DeKalb County Sheriff's Department gets a call. The caller is a woman who doesn't give her name. She tells police that there is a body of a young girl and where to find the body. Now, it's in this Little River Canyon. It's kind of a hard terrain to navigate. So the police go and look and they don't find anything. So they're like, oh shit, I guess it was a prank call. So they go on about their business. Well, the next day... They get another call from the same woman telling them, there's a body. This is where you need to go look. Apparently, this woman gave directions like I do. I did hear on one podcast called True Crime on Easy Street. I think they're actually from the area. They said that the caller had actually even called a radio station to tell them like, hey, there's a body. This is where it is because the police didn't find it the first time they called. So the police go out and look again. And again, they find nothing. So they're like, what the hell? So people are packing up and leaving from looking. But eventually, they do find a body. And it was the body of Lisa Ann Milliken. She had been shot and dropped from like an 80-foot embankment, for lack of a better word. Now, this area was a place where locals would dump garbage and stuff. But they found some things around her body. Also, she was found 35 miles from where she was abducted. So the police bring up her body and beside it, they find some blue jeans and wrapped in a cloth, they find some syringes. Was she naked? No, the blue jeans were too big to be hers and they had blood stains on them. So the police interview Lisa's family, friends, everything to try to get an idea of, did she have enemies? What was the motivation to kill her? Because how old is she again? 13. Oh my gosh. And while Lisa had a really hard life, there wasn't anything pointing to what could have caused her death. So the police had a taped recording of the calls that came in. They're playing it and listening and trying to find any clues that could give who this woman is that called. How do they know what's going on? Like, what's the connection? So the police noticed that the caller said, y'all looking for Lisa Ann Milliken on run from the Harpist home. Now, most people would say she ran away or she's a runaway or whatever, because on run was considered an insider's vernacular. Oh. Somebody who was in that system, in the foster care system and in and out of juvenile detention centers, whatever. That was kind of the vernacular used versus runaway. So the police were like, this may be somebody that's like been in and out of foster care, has, maybe has a juvenile record. So they've kind of got that in the back of their head. Okay, so flash forward to, well, just about a week to October 4th. Janice Chapman and her boyfriend, John Hancock. Is that a fake name? I don't think so. Also, funny story. Uh, one of my coworkers asked me to sign something. And <laughs> she said, can I have your George Foreman instead of John Hancock? <laughs> Oh, God, love her. I like looked at her and I was like, that's not what it's called. <laughs> so the two of them were out walking around. A woman had pulled up in a brown Dodge and was like, hey, y'all want to ride? Y'all want to just like hang out? Come ride? She was like, look, I'm bored. I'm by myself. I just want to ride around. Y'all want to come? And they're like, it's 1982. Absolutely. 
So while they're riding around, the woman who's driving starts talking on a CB radio to someone with the handle of Knight Rider. And she went by Lady Sundown. But if you don't know what a CB radio is, it's basically like a walkie-talkie kind of thing that was like a radio that stayed in your vehicles. I mean, it didn't have to, but usually it's in a vehicle. So you could like Breaker Breaker 1-9 talk to people. I mean, if you've seen Jeepers Creepers... That's it. My dad always had one in his truck, and I cannot remember his handle. Mom had one, too. But um, I always thought, like, I always loved listening to truck drivers. Yes. It's really a big way for truck drivers to talk to one another. So as she's driving, the lady, Lady Sundown, drives on to this dirt road, and Knight Rider comes up in a red car. Now, Knight Rider had two kids with him, and apparently... John Hancock was told to go get in the car with Knight Rider, the mail driver. That left Janice Chapman in the car with Lady Sundown. So he was like, this is weird, but cool, cool. It's 1982. And they go driving like in tandem down more back roads, just living their best life. Well, eventually they stopped and they told John Hancock to get out of the car and walk down this roadway. When he got down there, Lady Sundown shot him in the back. Oh my gosh. After she shot him, she disappeared with Janice Chapman. But John Hancock lived. Oh shit. He waited until he was like, okay, it's cool. Coast is clear. Let me go try to find some help. Oddly enough, the police didn't believe him. They were like, this is a weird story. Okay, so y'all got in a car. They shot you and kidnapped her. Or she just went with them. Like they just didn't believe him. But now, where was he shot again? In the back. Yeah, okay. So I feel like the only thing for that story to not be what he was telling would be he had done something to Janice and she shot him and ran. Right. But what John Hancock did notice about the car was it was a brown car and it had an out-of-state license plate. Well, later, there was another girl, about 13 years old, who was out walking and a lady in a brown car pulled up and asked her if she wanted a ride. And she was like, absolutely not. And they went to police. So the police are starting to put this together. They're like, okay, there's somebody who's asking people if they want rides. So they're like, okay, is this also what happened to Lisa? Like, was she offered a ride in the mall and was like, cool, I'll go with you. And then she was murdered. Is this what happened to Janice Chapman? Because they don't know where she is, but they know that John was shot by somebody in a brown car. Now somebody in a brown car has stopped and asked this other 13 year old girl if she wants a ride. So what the police did was they played the tape from the caller who had called in to tell about where Lisa's body was. They played it for the 13 year old girl. And while they're playing it, I feel like just out of pure luck, John Hancock walks by and hears it. And he's like, that's who shot me. That's her voice. So now the police are like, okay, shit, it's all connected. Like what? Okay, who the fuck is this? It's got to be all connected. So while all of this is going down, at the beginning of September, so you remember the thing with Lisa happened at the end of September. At the beginning of September, two employees from the Youth Development Center, which is a place that kids go if they've been in trouble with the law, but they like aren't sending them to jail, they can send them there. And it's in Rome. So two employees, Linda Adar and Ken Dooley, had some pretty intense situations happen at their house. Sorry, these are workers there. Yeah, these are two people who worked at the Youth Development Center. So Ken 
Somebody had shot into his house on September 11th of 82, and on September 12th, someone had tossed a Molotov cocktail into Linda Adar's house. What? Luckily, at both houses, no one was injured. But police did get an anonymous call. And the caller basically said that, quote, for the abuse I took, they are both going to die. This started a really intense investigation into the YDC because this is a youth development center where kids are going instead of jail. Like there are tons of kids who are at risk that could be having like sexual assaults and all of that. And so this was taken very serious by police. This attack and accusation on the YDC was taken very seriously by police. There were no other attacks on either one of those employees' homes. And with all of their investigations, there was absolutely nothing to indicate that there was any sexual assaults or anything like sinister going down at the YDC. Now we've got those other three cases connected. And now we have two other attacks that also have a female caller telling like what they did and why. But they are saying that they had been to the YDC as like an inmate. So they start going, okay, this is the same voice then of the callers. So John Hancock said that he saw an out-of-state license plate on the brown car. So the police did all the detective work and was like, okay, we really feel like the caller who killed Lisa was someone who had been at the YDC because, you know, the on run. Who has been at the YDC that was from out of state? It started out with like a list of like 25 names and they had whittled it down to Judith Ann Neely. The show John Hancock, a lineup, and he's like, yeah, I think that's her. He wasn't 100% sure, but he was like, yeah, I think that's her. They showed the lineup to the other little girl that had been approached by the lady in the car, and she like immediately identified Judith Ann Neely. So Judith was raised in what seemed like a pretty typical middle-class family. She did well in school, blah, 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 blah. But when she was nine years old, her dad died in a motorcycle accident, and that changed everything. Her mom started to use the CB radio in their house to contact truck drivers to come have sex with her. This was not hidden from Judith. So when Judith is 15, she meets a guy named Alvin Neely through one of her mom's sexual escapades, is how they said it. So like, I don't know if he had sex with her mom and then was like, oh, hey, Judith. I don't know if maybe he had gotten called over there via the CB and was like, oh, hey, Judith. But Judith is 15 and he is 26. How old was her mom? I mean, I can't, I can't judge. Yeah, I was going to say, you literally had like a 24-year-old like two weeks ago. Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, like. Also, everything is like about Alvin Neely is like, he was so fat and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I mean, he a big guy, but like, shut the fuck up. I don't know. It just every, like everything at which I'm doing right now too, because I'm commenting on his size, but like, it's because everything did. I don't know. It annoyed the fuck out of me. I mean, he's a piece of shit and we hate him, but like, I don't know. Low hanging fruit. Alvin Neely actually had a really good childhood. He did well in school, got along with his teachers, got along with other kids. But in his teens, he decided that it was time to commit some crimes. He started with like burglary, all the shit. And then, like I said, he and Judith met and like they both say that instantly they fell in love. Well, not long after they get together, Judith gets pregnant with twins. Remember me saying two kids in the backseat? Uh-huh. 
living their best life, they basically, they get married when Judith is 16 and Alan is just like one day shy of 27. And they live their best married life, driving around while she's pregnant, committing crimes and living out of their car, living in hotels, kind of just doing the whole thing. Well, Judith is like minutes away from giving birth and she gets busted for armed robbery because she's 700 weeks pregnant with twins and she's sticking a gun in someone's face and asking for money. You're going to be remembered. You know, people who are pregnant, some walk in the light, some are sick every morning, all the times. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, she's committing fucking crime, about to pop with twins. Right. Meanwhile, some have to have their feet propped up because they're like preeclampsia. Yeah. With like high blood pressure, and she's just like living her best life. It could could be because she's 16, too. (laughs) Very true. She ain't 38 trying to have twins. True, true, true. So... She gets arrested for this armed robbery, and Judith gets sent to the YDC. Alvin gets arrested for, like, driving the getaway car, all the things, and he's sent to jail. So, Judith gives birth, like, two days after she's sent to the YDC. So, that's why I say, like, she is, like, minutes away from giving birth, and she's out there robbing people. After she gives birth, the kids go to Alvin's mother. Alvin gets convicted for five years. Now, also, Judith is from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Remember out of state license plate? Yep. Out of state. While they're in jail, Judith is writing to Alvin, telling him things about the poor treatment that she's getting in the YDC. She tells him, which I'm going to say allegedly because it really was proven not to be true, but that she had been raped and abused while she was at the YDC. And so he would write her back, making her these big grandiose promises about how things were going to be when he gets out, keeping her safe, all the things. And they are eventually released, her in 1981 and him in 1982. And now they're back together, living their criminal life, where they drive two cars and talk to each other on a CB radio. Okay, so before we get into any more of this story, we gotta talk about Manscaped. Colby's literal favorite. Do you know how many times I've had to move these trimmers out of my way? Probably as much as he's had to move your hair off the wall. You don't know me at all. Y'all, Father's Day is coming up and you can give the gift to your father if you just want to give him a little beard trimmer. But if you want to, uh, for the man or the lady, honestly, in your life, mm-hmm. you want to give him a little ball trimmer, even better. Manscaped has got your back and your dad's balls. Covered. Now, Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming, but let me tell you, I have used it. I've used their Lawnmower 4.0, and it was a go, go, go. Colby loves that Lawnmower 4.0 so much. He's like flapping in the wind over there, being like, <laughs> look at my balls. <laughs> Like, he instantly was like, do you want to film my balls? Like, as soon as he used it, do you want, do you want to film my balls? It feels better for them, usually. And it's better for us who go down there. Right. And it is hot outside. You need some airflow up in there. Yes. Trim those hedges. It is time. <laughs> Let them breathe. But also, Manscaped has amazing products like Crop Mop Ball Wipes, Crop Reviver Ball Toner, And because how she said, it is very hot, crop preserver ball deodorant. And if you're specifically in the market for this lawnmower 4.0, and you're like, okay, what makes it so different? Because it has advanced skin safe technology. So you're not going to accidentally nick yourself when, you know, you're on those more delicate areas. 
which honestly was Colby's biggest fear when it came to shaving his balls was he was so fearful of nicking that tender skin. Right. You don't have to worry about that. I'm telling you, it's amazing. Also, it's very precise and very close shave. You don't have to worry about the nicking. However, they also have a little LED light on there, you know, for um, my man cave. It's a little dark down there sometimes, and you need that light to help you guide the blade. Meanwhile, I'm sure this manscaped is like, oh, thank you for promoting it as a girl scape. Hey, it's an everyone scape. This is the time for inclusiveness. And even better, Manscaped uses a wireless charging system that has like electromagnetic induction that helps the battery last longer. Y'all, I met somebody the other day that I was like, this man needs the Manscaped Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Oh, God. There is no reason that hair should be sticking out your nose. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. Stick that Weed Whacker up there and bzzz. All of Manscaped's products are cruelty-free, dye-free, and vegan. So right now, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with code CREEP at manscaped.com. And you know what? Maybe you're thinking, Father's Day's coming up. I don't know if I want to buy my dad a ball trimmer. That's fine. Go buy him all the other products because it's not just for balls. But I mean, get him the ball trimmer too. I mean, maybe that would actually have been a Mother's Day gift too. Could have. So 20% off plus free shipping. Use the code creep at manscaped.com. Look, y'all, if nothing else, Manscaped gets us. They literally say, don't forget that you came from your dad's balls. This year, show your original home some love with Manscaped. That's 20% off and free shipping if you go to manscaped.com. Dot com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D dot com. Use promo code CREEP for 20% off plus free shipping. Look, we've been chatty, 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 but what if you could babble in a different language? Which language would you choose? French. I would choose Spanish. And with Babbel, you can. You only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson, so you can start having real-life conversations in as little as three weeks. Babbel is a language learning app, and it has sold more than 10 million subscriptions. And what Babbel's known for is their fun, easy, bite-sized language lessons. You know, AI is all the rage right now. However, other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel's lesson plans were created by over 150 language experts, and they're voiced by real native speakers, not computers. And if we haven't mentioned it enough, it's summertime. So you might have a destination in mind, and with that destination, you might want to learn the native language. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages. And like Carrie said, it only takes three weeks to start having real life conversations in that other language. That's faster than you can get your passport. The app is super user-friendly, and honestly, this isn't even in our stuff, but the reviews speak for themselves. They have almost 500,000 reviews, and it's a 4.7 out of 5 stars. That is a ton of reviews and a really high rating. Probably because there's so many ways to learn with Babbel. It's got something for everyone. You can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes if that's how you learn the best. You can also set reminders to remind yourself to do your lessons. And y'all know if something has a game on your phone, that is for me. Yeah, we know. Your screen time tells us. But 
why not put that to use and do something productive? If you want to learn a new language, you need to do Babbel. And have no fear because Babbel comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. So right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash creep. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash creep for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel is the language for life. So go to babbel.com slash creep and get up to 55% off your subscription today. Okay, so back to the story. Police are 97% sure that Judith had something to do with Lisa's murder. The pieces are just fitting the puzzle. And they hit pay dirt when they find out that Judith had been arrested in Murfreesboro, Tennessee for writing bad checks. Well, old Alvin had gotten arrested too. So the police went up there. Now, it's said that Alvin wasn't really the brains of the operation. Judith was. She was smarter, more the aggressor. Alvin asked for an attorney, but then also waived his right and ended up giving a pretty damn detailed confession. He tells the police that Judith is the mastermind, that she's the one that wanted to do the firebombing, the shooting, all the things. And while they're interviewing Alvin, they're also interviewing Judith. Now, Judith says, I don't need a lawyer, and ends up answering very calmly and in detail all of the police questions. So she says, yeah, I firebombed Linda's house and I shot at Ken's house because Linda made me have sex with Ken at the YDC. There was this huge sex worker ring coming out of the facility. But again, all of that was proven to be untrue. Was it proven to be untrue or proven like unfounded? I don't fucking know. Okay. I was just wondering. I mean, it's semantics, but I get what you're saying. There was nothing to indicate that there was any sex trafficking of any kind going on at the YDC. Yeah. So she goes on to say that, yes, she did abduct Lisa Milliken and Janice Chapman. She says that because Alvin honestly hadn't been out of prison for very long when all this shit went down. They had just been reunited. And Judith liked Lisa because she said Lisa looked like Joni Cunningham from Happy Days. Donna didn't watch Nick at Night. No. Meanwhile, Nick at Night now is friends. (laughs) I I digress. So Judith tells police that Lisa Ann was at the video arcade in Riverbend Mall in Rome, Georgia. Judith goes up to Lisa, strikes up a conversation, and Lisa didn't want to go back. So she was like, yeah, I'll go with you, which is what Judith wanted because she even said that they would travel around to find young girls walking by themselves and all of that. And it really pisses me off because they said that they would like specifically look in lower income areas for kids that they felt like would be more willing to go with them. And what sucks is that I feel like they can relate to that. Yes, absolutely. She lived that. Yeah. So from there, they get in the car, they bloop, 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 CB radio, meet up with Knight Rider or whatever the fuck Alvin's name was. They go back to a motel. And from there, they keep Lisa Ann days. I think that there was some bouncing around between hotels, but they basically took turns torturing and raping her. When they decided that they were done with her, they wanted to kill her. What they did was they got Drano and tried to inject it into Lisa's body. So those were the syringes? Yes. They tried to inject the drain cleaner into her neck, both of her arms, and both cheeks of her butt. That, of course, did not work. It just literally made her, like, writhe in agony. So Judith took her to that bluff area and, with the kids in her car, took her over there 
made her turn around and shot her in the back. Lisa Ann didn't fall, so she had to push her. And all of that got the blood on her jeans. So she took them off, threw them over the edge, and had clothes in her car because they lived out of their cars. So she had clothes she could just put on and then left. And then from there is when, you know, she made the calls, all the things. And then they abducted Janice and John. Why did she call? I think it was for it to be known. If you didn't hear the tree fall in the woods, did it happen? Even if they didn't know who did it, she wanted somebody to know that she did it. Yeah. They ended up telling police where to find the body of Janice. So long story short, Alvin was like, I'm going to plead guilty because I don't want to die. So he pled guilty and got a couple of life sentences. Judith was like, I take back everything I said. And she went to trial. So she was very unkempt. Part of her defense was got her new clothes at like the expensive department store, got some dental work for her, her hair fixed and washed and brushed and a bra. The defense, because she was under 21, she was like 18 when all this happened, they tried to get it moved to juvenile court instead of adults. And they were like, um, absolutely not. Then they were like, okay, okay, well, can we get some testing to see if she's like fit to stand trial? And they were like, sure. And she is. And she's very fucking smart. So don't try to pull that because the testing shows all of this. Long story short, she ended up losing and was found guilty. The jury recommended life in prison and the judge was like, not so fast. Here's the death penalty. Oh, fuck. And so she was the youngest person sentenced to death. Whoa. In Georgia or in the United States? I think just Georgia. Eventually, though, it got commuted to life in prison. I think it was 2005. Alvin died in prison. And Judith is serving a life sentence. Just within the last few months, Judith was up for parole. Oh, my gosh. And they denied it. Good. So in prison, she sits. How you did your head, I thought they were approving it. And I'm like, why? Why, why, why? The judge was like, no, no, not just life in prison. You're going to get the death penalty and then they're going to approve her to have parole. You know, so I was getting ready to be so mad. Well, she got extreme makeover Jody Arias style. Well, I'm so glad that she was like BTK and wanted, you know, her crimes out there and, you know, wanted to communicate with police, which ultimately helped them narrow down who she was because of John Hancock, which I still do not believe is his real name. May not have been. They may have changed it. But that's the thing, too, is like her body was in such a place that police literally went looking for her and could not find her. Okay, so for my story, I'm going to talk about the Bettis House in Arkansas. It's a two-story Victorian-style house located in downtown Quitman on Mulberry Street. And I'm like, is that adjacent to Mulberry Lane and the Muffin Man? So this story kind of has it all. And by that, I mean true crime, paranormal, but it kind of turns out to be more of an urban legend. And it's an urban legend known as the Dog Boy of Quitman. So the house was built in 1890. We're going to start with the Jackson family. Benjamin Jackson lived there with his wife and son, but unfortunately the wife passed away when she was just 28 years old. Then the son, Joseph, he passed away while serving in World War I and he was only 21. And I talk about this family because it's reported that one of the residents saw an apparition of a World War I soldier. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're moving to the main topic. 
the Bettis family. Floyd and Aileen moved into the house in the 1950s. They always wanted a family, and after years of trying, they finally got their bundle of joy in 1954. Every time I hear the name Floyd, I instantly think Dumb and Dumber. His name is Gerald. But you know how I always talk about dream houses turning into nightmares? Well, this dream of a son turned into a nightmare for them. He was basically the kid from the Problem Child series. He was just really bratty and got into everything. And most of the people in Quitman loved the Bettis as a couple, and they knew they were doing everything they could for Gerald. But no one was a fan of Gerald, especially the kids at school. Now, it's said that Gerald got bullied pretty badly in school, mostly because he was bigger, and he kind of leaned into it and like, oh, you're going to call me names? So I'll just act out and I'll give you something to talk about. He kind of reveled in the ridicule. There's this one instance that's so bizarre. That's your favorite word. And you haven't used it that much. Not like Bob's bizarre, bizarre. That I will never, ever forget. Anyway, so this one instance, they were like at a family reunion at like the community center of Quitman. And Gerald wanted more attention. He pulled out a chase lounge and laid back, like positioned himself just like, you know, draped over the chaise. He ate grapes like he was back in the day, like a Roman god, you know, holding them and like just biting one off one by one. And people were just like, what the fuck? Like he's in the middle of everyone just being weird. Remember dog boy of Quitman? Gerald is the dog boy. He's the man. He's the myth. He's a legend. So why people call him Dog Boy was that he started picking up stray animals. Mostly dogs, but sometimes cats too. And he got so many animals that Floyd, his dad, built a room just to house the animals. This is giving me Dahmer vibes. Oh, I could see that. Well, this also took a turn. And content warning about animal harm. So he wasn't just adopting the animals out of the goodness of his heart. He would just pick up strays that, you know, he knew no one would look for. And he started torturing them. And some of the neighbors recall hearing the dogs howl when he would do so. But they thought like, oh, he just has a lot of dogs. They're barking. Kind of like, you know, the menace of the neighborhood. But then they kind of put two and two together when like dogs would go missing and everything. And it all led back to Gerald. So at some point, Gerald moved on from torturing animals to then torturing people and specifically his parents. He would lock them upstairs and not feed them until he felt like it. Like, they said that it could have been weeks up there that they were locked in the room. Now, he had fed them within that week, but still, people started being like, why are we not seeing Floyd and Aileen? What's going on? But then he started to physically abuse both his mother and father. And Gerald was always a bigger guy, but now he was 6'4", 300 pounds. So he was big, but he was also strong. So just think about a person that size abusing his elderly parents. Yeah, he can literally fuck all the way off. Right. Well, when Floyd was 67, Gerald got mad at him and he pushed Floyd out of one of the windows in an upstairs bedroom. Luckily, Floyd was strong enough to hold onto the window ledge. And while he's dangling there, a neighbor saw him hanging and called 911. Thankfully, they were able to get to Floyd, get him down safely soon after that. 
However, Floyd died in 1981. Some say it's from an illness, but he died at home. However, most suspect that he was pushed down the staircase and he died from his injuries. And we all know who they believe pushed him down the staircase. A lot of neighbors were scared of Gerald. And one even said that his eyes were filled with evil and they seemed to glow at night. There was this one time he got really heated over one of his neighbors who shared a magnolia tree with him. And really it was in their yard, but it kind of like overhung in Gerald's. And when the neighbors were trimming their tree back, Gerald freaked out on them because the limbs fell in his yard and he didn't even give them a chance to like clean it up or anything and just went ballistic. So they were like for real, for real scared of how angry and aggressive Gerald became because of this tree. Now the next victim is Aileen. She fell down the stairs and broke her hip. So she was rushed to the hospital. That's the story that Aileen and Gerald had came up with. However, there was a nurse who witnessed Gerald slapping his mom and telling her he was going to have her arrested if she told anyone what he did. So she was like, uh, nope. Gonna alert the authorities on this. A lot of people believe Aileen didn't fall down the stairs. She was pushed. Now, Aileen never said that she was pushed. She maintained that she fell down the stairs, but because of what the nurse witnessed, because of neighbor testimony and everything, Gerald was arrested for parental abuse. However, he had turned their sunroom into his grow room, and so he had been growing marijuana and selling it out of their house. So they got him for that. Gerald went to jail in 1984. However, four years later, he died in jail due to a drug overdose. He was 34 years old. Now, with the Bettis family out of the house, it went through a couple of more families and ended up being bought by the Weaver family. Tony was the husband of the family and he was the one who saw the World War I apparition in the house. And he said that he walked toward the guy he thought and when he walked towards the apparition, it just vanished. Also, the Weavers experienced lights turning on and off. The wife, she worked the night shift and she would come home and like all the lights were on. And she's like, no, 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 I know we turned them off. Like they should not all be on. And then also, you know, they would just kind of like flicker at all times. They also had the feeling of being watched. And there is this one incident where the wife, we don't know her name. They just say the wife, so I'm sorry. But she said that she witnessed pennies floating in the air down the stairs. And when she finally wrapped her head around what she was seeing, both of them fell down at the same moment. So it's like an invisible person was carrying their two cents down the fucking stairs and then was just like, <gasps> got caught and like dropped them. So are pennies a thing with people who have passed? I don't know. Be okay, I asked that because, so my nephew got into a car accident like two weeks ago. He's okay, but it was kind of a bad accident, but he's, he's, everybody that was involved was fine. And he had a cup of change in his car that kind of went everywhere, but he had a penny in each of his shoes. Oh. And so my sister like went to my dad's grave and was like, thanks for protecting him. Like, thanks for letting us know, you know. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I was like, are pennies a thing? I don't know. But she just felt like it was dad being like, I got you. Cause like. What are the, I mean, it could happen, but like that of all the money that was strong, you just had one penny end up in each shoe, you know? Right. Yeah. 
The weavers often heard things upstairs that sounded like something fell, but they could never find anything out of place. They, of course, heard the phantom footsteps, and there would be times that items would go missing or be moved around the house. And there was this one recliner in the living room that would open up and recline by itself. And I feel like that would be the worst thing for me. I cannot stand when like a chair is not pushed back or, you know, Carrie leaves the cabinets open, anything like that. And I just, I know how people will get up and not push the recliner all the way in. And so it's just like they're reclined. And that drives me bonkers. Donna is very particular. (laughs) Although the thing that I do, I know I've said this before, but the thing that I do that annoys Colby the most is I don't close the sunglasses thing in his truck. Yes. Because he's so nice that he keeps my sunglasses up there. Yeah, I would always have to close that on you. I mean, you also don't replenish the toilet paper roll when it's out either. Did I sign up for a fucking roast? (laughs) Let me just say that if Carrie haunts me, I... Would know instantly it was me. Yes. Like, I would definitely know, and I'd be like, oh, fuck. Call the Ghostbusters, because I need help, because this girl knows exactly what to do to piss me off. Mm-hmm. And she'd do it, and then laugh like the dog on Duck Hunt. Or like Heine. Don't even think about that. No shot my voice could do that <laughs> laugh right now, even if I wanted to. Oh, my God. Like, look at my arms. I got chill bumps. <laughs> I got freaking chill bones when she said that, like instantly fucking scared. So moving on from that. (laughs) Well, you know how we say animals know what's up? Dogs wouldn't enter the house, even like being lured by treats. So like when they were trying to show the house for sale, one person brought their dog. Yeah, the dog was like, no, not going in there. Also, who brings their dog to look at a new house? I know. Some people are like that. I get that. I get that you want your dog there. We're taking the fact out that it could be a service dog. Like, just taking that completely out of it because it could be a service dog. But, like, if you're just bringing your dog just because you want to bring your fucking dog, like, that's so rude. One, what if they're allergic? Two, they're trying to keep that house so clean so that it sells and you've got your dog traipsing through with their doggy hair everywhere. (laughs) Their doggy hair? (laughs) Like, that's so fucked up. That is true. Well, back to the Weaver family. They were doing some repairs, and so they had a contractor who was at the house. And when he was working, he saw a large man with long brown hair, great big arms and hands, and he was holding a cat. And it was just kind of weird how he was holding the cat. It wasn't, like, threatening or anything, but it wasn't, like, Dr. Evil either. Like, it was just creepy. And also his eyes. The man really fixated on his eyes. He's like, shit, who is this person? And he goes to walk towards him. And that big man with a cat walked down the hall like really quickly. Well, then when the contractor rounded the corner, no one was there. So he was like, "Uh uh-uh, never mind. This job ain't worth it because I don't know what the fuck I just saw, but I didn't like it. And so he refused to come back to the house. Now that same man with the description of being large has been seen looking out the window of an upstairs bedroom. And people who knew the Bettis family, they're like, that description of the large man Yeah, that's Gerald. Also, he's been seen in the sunroom, which is where he used to, you know, use as his grow house. Well, the Weavers only lasted six months in the house, and they were like, nah, not dealing with that. 
So the next family was Quentin and Stephanie White. They rented the house from the Weavers and they were also like, yeah, something's not right here. The toilets would flush by themselves. They would hear footsteps upstairs when they knew no one was up there. And people who would visit the house say that they felt overwhelmed with sadness and a lot of anxiety. Now, they were trying to overlook all the shed. But one night, Quentin was downstairs on the phone talking to his wife. And he was like taking a break from doing some renovations on the house. And that's when he heard a loud commotion upstairs. So he was like, hey, babe, gotta go. Let me see what happened. Ran up the stairs and he saw all of the two by fours that had been piled on the floor now standing up straight. Well, the White family only lasted a few months too. So there was a paranormal investigation done at the house. The group was Central Arkansas Society for Paranormal Research. Or if you use their like acronym or whatever, it's CASPER. Cool. I was like, what did she say their name was? I was trying to do it quickly. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she's going to tell me. <laughs> well, they ended up doing two investigations and they did have some cold spots and they were like, it was 10 degrees colder in this one spot than this other spot, like multiple times. They had an EMF meter that went off a shit ton. They also made contact with an entity that walked through the kitchen area. And one of the investigators said that it felt like the entity touched him. But the biggest thing that happened on that first investigation was when they were outside getting gear from their vehicle and they all saw someone looking down from the second story window. And why it shocked them so much was because the house was empty. They were the only ones there and the whole team was outside. So that's why they were so stoked to do another investigation. And that time they brought in a medium. The medium was able to contact the spirit they believed to be Gerald. And he wasn't too happy to be bothered. And he basically told them to get the fuck out of the house and leave him alone. Casper says that they did have footage of some flashing lights, some slamming doors, like just other footage that, you know, all the EVPs, all the things, but somehow that footage is now lost. You know how that goes. So captured all the stuff, but don't have proof anymore. Which sounds sketch on one hand, but also on the other hand. I mean, knowing how often our shit fucks up when we're recording and we literally change nothing. Mm-hmm. I can kind of understand it. Yes. Well, and I have lost so many like thumb drives and everything when I'm like, I put it in this one spot. It's not here anymore. Or, I, you know, whatever. Even like Google Drive. I swear, sometimes things just are not there. So I do get it. But it's also like had all this amazing footage to prove that it was haunted. But now it's gone. But also it's gone. So why is it gone? Maybe the ghost got it. Maybe they didn't want all the proof to be out there. I don't know. You know, I go either way on this. When it comes to technology like that, me too. (laughs) Well, also because you have that like electromagnetic field around you that will fuck up a printer in less than two seconds. Like you're not lying. No, I know. Like it's happened at my house. You know what does agree with me? Coffee. I love coffee. And I really love cult coffee. I mean, they have a cult following. This coffee is so good. And it's all roasted in Texas. 
And you know what? Mornings are hard. So let cult coffee be a part of your great awakening because this coffee is so yummy. I got their true crime subscription coffee box and the book I got in this month's package is called The Nanny and it's a fiction book written by Gilly McMillan and I am so excited to read it. I plan on starting it tomorrow because I've got a little downtime and I am excited to read it. And when I say this coffee is good, like it did not have that like bitter aftertaste. It was just smooth and good. It didn't have like the burnt aftertaste? No, not even a little bit. And you can get this True Crime monthly subscription box. If you buy it one time, it's only $19.99. And then if you do a monthly subscription, it's only $18.99. And it comes with, like I said, the book and two mini, like two ounce freshly, like Donna said, locally roasted coffee and a true crime book or a crime book, I guess I should say, because this one's fiction. But the packaging is so cute. Did you love the logo? I sure did. It's a sugar skull, but it's in the shape of a coffee cup. But with the sugar skull, that is part of their heritage. And this is all a local family business founded by a father and a daughter's love for a good quality cup of coffee. So I love that so much of their culture is in this coffee. So Carrie talked about her True Crime and Coffee subscription box. I got the coffee sample box and that is $14.99. What it comes with is four different coffee blends. So it's eight two ounce bags total. With my Keurig, I have one of those little things that you can put whatever type of coffee you want into it. I think I got three like large cups of coffee out of each of those bags just to kind of give you an idea of what what the heck is two ounces. So both are great options if you want to just sample the different roast because, you know, they have medium roast, they have dark roast, or you can mix the two. But again, what is better than coffee, crime, and cults? Nothing. And that's why cult coffee is freaking amazing. So right now you can use promo code CREEP10 and get 10% off your order. So you go to www.cult.coffee and use the promo code CREEP10 for 10% off your order. Also follow them on underscore cult underscore coffee underscore on Instagram and Twitter. So again, go to www.cult.coffee and enter code CREEP10. 10 for 10% off your order. You will not be disappointed in this coffee. It is so good. And I cannot wait to start that book tomorrow. www.cult.coffee and use promo code CREEP10. That's CREEP10 for 10% off your order. All right, back to the Bettis house. So right now there's a family living there. And that's why I didn't say like, I know I said the street, but I didn't say the number because, you know, they say nothing's happening. They don't want to be with this whole urban legend of the dog boy, any of that. And so they say nothing's happening. Everything's good. And so we have to believe them. More so we have to respect their privacy. Right. But so everyone in Quitman and really Arkansas, they're like, was it really that bad? Or not even just the paranormal. It's almost like the paranormal, people are like, okay, cool, cool, cool. But was Gerald actually that bad? Did he actually starve his parents? Did he actually do this? You you know what I mean? It kind of got to like, is it larger than life now? Because, you know, he abused his parents. Like that did come out that he did physically abuse Aileen. But... Do you hear that and say, oh yeah, you know what? He had a lot of dogs. You know, he probably killed them. I don't know where people start to kind of spin the web of lies to make it more like, and I lived right beside him. 
So that's why they kind of say it's an urban legend because they don't know how much is fact. But he was arrested. He did go to jail and he did die in jail. But also when I heard this story, I immediately thought it was going to be like the only dog boy I know is like the one that I think they called him like wolf boy or whatever. And he had the genetic mutation and it would be kind of like something that people would go see at a carnival so that's why i'm like wait was it true because you know how carnival people love to be salacious too was there a dog boy on like mari or something i really think it's a genetic mutation or something like that that will cause like hair to grow on their face like a lot and stuff so i thought it was something like that And I was just like, they better not harm him. They better not do anything. And then it's like, okay, no, no, no. This is not what I thought. Like it usually is the past of the house. You know, the history is so much worse than the haunting. You know, the haunting wasn't malicious or anything like that. But uh, Gerald was. It takes a special brand of evil to hurt your parents. Right. And animals. Really and truly anything that's helpless like that. Like an mm-hmm. the elderly, an animal, you know, a kid. But your parents. Yeah. And I get that not everybody grew up in this happy, healthy family. And so that people don't always feel about their parents the way we feel about our parents. We're very lucky. Even with whatever issues we may have with our parents, mm-hmm. we're still very lucky. So I do understand that. But Damn. But the level of abuse there was not just, oh, I don't like my parents. Right. It was to torture them and to hurt them like Judith and Alvin in your story because they loved to torture just like they did to Lisa Ann for days. And then with the Drano, I can't with that. Oh my God. So brutal, right? And back to Judith's trial, like how you mentioned Jody Arias, it definitely brings into question like, Yes, we have this justice system where, like, our peers decide your fate, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, it has its flaws. But, like, the fact that you dye in your hair and changing your clothes and getting your teeth fixed would have an impact on whether you live or die is absurd. Yes. Like, that show that was based on Dr. Phil. Oh, Bull. Yes. And I'm sure some of that is, like... Okay, but some of that is based in fact. Yeah, I was going to say, it's grounded in truth, especially with like hiring lawyers and stuff. They can afford that. So they're going to try to do anything for that client because he's paying top dollar. And if he can get this client off, it'll get him more publicity. You know, all the shit that goes behind that. But it is so hard to think that your physical appearance does play such a role in it. Which reminds me of the story you did for Lady Killers. So if you're in Patreon, get ready for that story. Just remember the justice system and looks. And if you want to join Patreon, that is www.patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Sorry, just had to throw that little plug up in there. I was going to say, look at you with your plugs. I mean, I do have a lot of butt plugs. She has like bedazzled butt plugs. Of course. But of course. (laughs) Thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us. It means the world to us. We couldn't do this without y'all. And so sorry that you had to listen to Sniffs a lot over here. Y'all, it's so bad. One day, maybe my body won't hate me. Until then, remember. Creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.